Good morning, Life Chapel. Oh, what a good day it is, amen? My name is Mark, and I'm a teaching pastor here, and I just want to uh, piggyback on what Tim was saying and welcome you this morning. We're so glad that you came out to worship with us, so glad you came out to enjoy this time. If you're online, we're glad that you're online watching us. I'm going to uh, be like a uh, superstar this morning and say, hello, mom. My 82-year-old mom is online watching, so I got to say hello, you know. I mean, I want to stay in good graces with, with mom, you know. You got to take care of mom, amen. And I understand Mark's mom is online watching too, so hi, Mark, the other Mark's mom, amen. <laughs> and uh, We're thankful for that, amen. And we're looking forward to all these things that are coming up. Uh, if you, men, if you have not signed up, if you've not been to a men's camp out. Uh, we have a blast there. I just have to mention, I've only been to two, but I'm, uh, I'm batting 500 as far as winning the cornhole tournament. You know, I won the first year I went, so you never know. I mean, but uh, it was a lot of fun. We've had a great time. Pastor Brian, our lead pastor, and, and Carmen, they are out this week. He's actually ministering in Montrose on the other side of the mountains. They went to camp meeting this week and were able to stay over there with their family and enjoy some time of refreshing and, and uh, renewing of their spirit. And we're just praying God does a great thing in them there. Amen. <clears throat> Turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles, or it'll be on the screen to Ephesians chapter 6. We're continuing our sermon series in the armor of God that Pastor Brian started last week. And I just want to read uh, beginning in verse 10, Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10. And we're going to read verses 10 through 14 um, as we get started this morning. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would move in this place this morning. I've already sensed your spirit so strong during worship, and it was sweet to be in your presence through worship, God. Uh, and I just pray right now, Father, for your anointing to preach your word. I believe you have a word for us as a church. You have a word for us today. And I pray that you would speak and that it would be all of you and none of me. And God, that you would just use this word that you've given. And it would change lives today in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Brian started last week and he, he shared with us that... Uh, over a couple experiences in the last few months, God has spoken to him, and, and as things were happening, God has, has spoken to him, and, and, and the word that God just put into his heart was, put on the armor, put on the armor, and he spoke about that, and it was such, a, such an anointed message that God gave him as he talked about putting on the armor and the importance of us being prepared because we are engaged in and going to be engaged in all of our Christian walk in, in, a, in a battle, a spiritual battle, there is a spiritual battle that is being waged that goes on. And, and so often I think when, when, when the battle comes at us, when hard times come at life or, or, or people come into our life who are, are a pain, <laughs> you, don't, you guys probably don't have anybody in your life that's a pain, right? 
But uh, when we have people that come into our life that are causing problems, causing troubles for us, it's so easy for us to see the physical part of the battle, but yet there is literally a spiritual battle out there raging. And I find, especially with the people in my life that are, are, are really a struggle to deal with, it makes it easier for me to realize that there are spiritual forces behind some of the things that are happening, and it makes it easier for me to really pray for them and not just get mad at them. Amen? Makes it easier for me because I just want to get mad and, and sometimes I just want to punch them in the mouth, you know? I mean, and I know I can't do that. I'll get arrested and that's not the right thing to do. But I, it helps me to understand that there's a spiritual side behind this and I need to pray for them. And I love what Pastor Brian was talking about as he talked about this spiritual battle. And so then he, he asked me several weeks ago, he said, could you fill in on this Sunday and I want you to preach on the belt of truth. So today we're going to move into the first item in the list of the armor that we're supposed to put on, and that's the belt of truth. And as we start looking at the belt of truth, I want to ask you just a real quick question. Does anybody remember where we were about this time three years ago? Anything happening in our world that was of any consequence? Just, just a little thing, COVID-19? Can you believe we're three years past that right now, when that all started? We are three years. I mean, that was, the shutdowns really happened in March of 2020, and we're, we're at this point here, and here we are three years later. And as I recall going through that time, there were a lot of things, a lot of, I realized it was a pandemic, and I realized that a lot of leaders had never dealt with this, but there were a lot of questions I had and a lot of moments during that time when I felt like they weren't always telling us the truth. Anybody else understand what I'm talking about? You know, like, like even in, when they talked about the origins of this thing, how it came about, how it came to be, and where it came from, and I felt like, I almost, I feel like today we still haven't heard what the real truth is. And I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist, but I think we all felt those moments of, are they, are they telling us the truth? Do we really know what's happening I struggled with the truth of the matters when, when they shut everything down. They told us you can't go to church anymore. You can't go to any place where there's public gatherings anymore. You can't, you can't be in any of those places. Even when you go to work, you've got to be separated. And, and you can't, we're only going to allow essential businesses to stay open. And, and I thought, well, maybe this is a wise move. The first day they announced that, actually, the first day, i, I got to be honest, the first day they announced that, it, I was really mad. We were, it was March, we were in Phoenix, Arizona, actually in Glendale. Um, Debbie and I like to go down every couple of years to spring training. Huge baseball nuts, love to be down there for spring training. We went down there, we, got, we arrived there on a Thursday night. We had tickets for Friday morning to see the Rockies game, it got rained out. So we went that night to a, a Dodgers game, and I am definitely not a Dodgers fan, but I just went because it was baseball. And uh, we went to that game that night. And the next morning, we got up and had tickets. I'm a Reds fan I'm through and through. And uh, I was, we were walking up to the Reds stadium there in Glendale. And I hear some guy going up to the ticket booth. And he said, is it true baseball's been canceled? And I was like, what? What are they talking about? And we walk up, and the gates are closed. And they said, yeah, baseball's been canceled. It's been shut down. The government has told us we can't have anything like this. Man, <laughs> you can ask my wife. It was not a happy day in our household that day. 
I was not a happy camper. I was angry as all get out. What in the world is this? How can they shut this down? You can't shut down baseball. And I was mad as all get out. And as I calmed down a little bit, I was like, well, if this thing is as dangerous as they say it is, I, I kind of understand that. And, and they said, but the next day they said, you know, grocery stores and all that are essential, but we're also going to make liquor stores and marijuana shops essential businesses. And I went, now, wait a minute. Somebody's not telling me the truth here. I need to hear the truth. Somebody's not telling me the truth here. I'm struggling with this here. Amen? The mask thing became such a deal. You know, just, just wear a bandana and you'll be okay. Oh, wait a minute. Now you need one mask. It's got to be an N95 mask. No, you got to wear two masks. All the things that went on with that, I'm like, well, somebody just tell me the truth. I just want a dose of the truth. And then they came out with the vaccine. And, and I, I had good friends who were like, They've always told me, don't trust Big Pharma, man. Don't trust them. They're only in it for the money. And then all of a sudden, those same friends are going, hey, get the shot, man. Make it mandatory for all of us. And I'm going, I don't get it. Where's the truth in all this? And I don't care what side you're on in the whole thing. It feels like sometimes we were not always told the truth. Because truth matters. Truth is important. And I realized that they didn't know all the answers but I feel like, and whether it's right or not, I feel like we weren't always told the truth. And I don't know about you, but I feel like life is very unstable if you don't know the truth. And I think that's why we felt like COVID-19 was such an unstable time. Because even those that were trying to be truthful and honest didn't know the whole story. And it's hard in life when you don't know the truth. The truth is super, super important. The truth is one of the most important things that we'll ever have in this life. When Pilate was questioning Jesus just before Jesus went to the cross, Pilate was trying to, he was really trying to escape. He didn't want to have to put, to, to put Jesus to death. He was hoping somebody else would do it. But he was questioning Jesus. And he asked Jesus at one point in his questioning, he said, Jesus, aren't you a king? And Jesus' reply was one of the most amazing things that Jesus said in all the time he was on this earth. He looked at Pilate and said, Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Did you get that? Just before Jesus went to the cross, when he's answering one of the officials who's got him on trial, he says to them, I was born and came into this world to testify to the truth. Now, I'm thinking if Jesus was born and came into this world to testify to the truth, the truth has to be pretty vital to us. Amen? The truth has to be pretty important to us. And on the list of the armor that we're told to put on, when we're told to put on the spiritual armor of God, the belt of truth is the first thing 
that we're instructed to put on. And today we're going to talk about that belt of truth. And, and, and I'm going to give you a tongue twister. I'm going to give you three truths about the belt of truth. Can you say that three times quickly? <laughs> three truths about the belt of truth. Three truths this morning. And the first truth that I'm going to get, tell you is there is only one belt of truth. Only one. Now, I have three belts that I wear. Some of you probably think, man, three, that's a lot. I bet some of you are going, three, that's nothing. I have three belts that I wear on a regular basis. One is just a plain old leather belt. I'm wearing it this morning. It's just a little, it's just a plain leather belt. I wear it with jeans. I wear it with shorts that have belt loops in it. I just wear it general. It's just a general plain leather belt. Nothing fancy to it. But I got to have a belt. I don't know about you, but I value a belt, man. Uh, There's something about the men in my family. We're built in such a way we don't wear a belt. I look like one of those kids with that, my pants hanging down around my butt, you know. I got to have a belt on. It's important for me to have a belt. I wear a belt always. You won't catch me without a belt unless it's shorts. It's got a drawstring in it, you know. I got to have something to hold them up. I have a plain leather belt, and I brought them up here. I have a, a, a black leather belt, I dropped this one, that I wear when I'm, if I have a suit on, if I have uh, black slacks or something like that, I, put, I wear a black leather belt for that, and it's, it's nothing plain, just ordinary. And then I wear a uniform to work every day, a, a blue polo and, and khaki 511 pants, and I have uh, a belt that I wear with my uniform. This is my favorite one by, by, for just... It's my favorite one by far. You know why? Because it's stretchy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To get my age and about this body shape, that stretchy is really good, man. I like that belt. Wish they made all belts like that. It's important. Amen. <laughs> Somebody else gets it. You understand? That stretchy belt is nice. That's the belts I wear. That's it. Just those three. Some of you may have more. You may have. You may want to. You may make a fashion statement out of it. Whatever. Mine are just very functional. I just want them to hold my pants up. Can I tell you this morning? The truth is not like my belts at all. There's not a different truth for different occasions. There's not a different truth for different crowds. There's not a different truth for different places. There's not a different truth for whatever I'm wearing. Truth is an absolute, and there is only one truth and one source of truth. There's not one truth for here at church. There's not one truth for at work. There's not another truth when you're around your buddies. There is one truth, one source of truth. We live in a world that seems to have forgotten what truth really is. And I think there's a couple groups of people in this. I think there's a group of people that really have grown up in this world, and they're trying to figure out what truth is in a very confused day and age. And they're trying, they're seeking, and they're looking for that. And I've always said I love seekers, man. I love people who are seeking because they're looking for answers. And I, I think it's awesome when some people are seeking for answers. I love that group of people. But there's another group of people in our world that I struggle with. I'm just going to be honest, and I think it's part of the spiritual battle. I think there's another group of people that suppress truth because truth does not fit their agenda. 
They suppress truth because truth does not fit their agenda. Now, I'm not going to try to get political by this, but I think a great example of this is this. Just a short time ago, we needed a Supreme Court judge. And our president said, I don't know who that person is, but I'm going to tell you this. One of the qualifications is it must be a woman. And then when he appointed that woman and she got before the Congress, they asked her a question. They said, could you define for us what a woman is? And she said she couldn't. Now, you know darn good and well she knows what a woman is. You know good and well she knows exactly how to define what a woman is. But she suppressed the truth because it did not fit her agenda. And we see that a lot in our society, and I'm not trying to get political about this, but I'm telling you, we see this a lot in our society, that people are suppressing the truth because it does not fit their agenda. They know the truth. They can see the truth. The truth is obvious to them, and they suppress the truth because it doesn't fit their agenda. There's a problem with that. And I believe that comes where there's spiritual warfare. And it's a spiritual battle going on for the souls of men and women in our nation and in our world. And they're suppressing the truth so that they can hopefully win the battle. And I believe the evil one is, is at war and trying to win the hearts and the souls and the minds of, of the people in our nation and, and it's in, in our world. And it's become a spiritual battle. So I want to say this morning for those searching for what is the source of truth, for those who are looking for what real truth is and where real truth comes from, Jesus summed, up, summed it up the best at the Last Supper. If you remember the Last Supper, Jesus is having dinner with his, his closest companions that he had spent all this time with ministering to them. And, and it's just before he goes to the cross, just before he's going to die, and Jesus is giving them some last final words. Now, I don't know about you, but if I had an opportunity, I, I have a grandpa that, that passed away many years ago. He passed away just a week before Deb and I got married, and, and that was, what, five or six years ago, I think, something like that, you know. That was February, would be 40 years, can't believe it. She's put up with me that long. <laughs> But my grandpa, everybody told me that my grandpa was a jack of all trades and a master of everything he put his hand to. You know, a lot of people, that saying goes, they're a jack of all trades and a master of none. But they, they said that my grandpa was anything he put his hands to, he was good at. And he could build anything. He could fix anything. He was, he was that kind of a man that could just put anything together. He could look at a problem and solve it and put it all together. And, and I think about, man, if I would have had time before his death, in his last week, two weeks, whatever, to sit down with him, I would have wanted to listen to anything he said at that point because he was going to pass along the things that were the most important to him in his life. Amen? And Jesus is passing, away, passing along some words of wisdom just before his death to his disciples. And he says these words in John chapter 14, verse 6. He, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, I want to break this down just a little bit because I think it's important for us. There's a couple things that are very, very important. When Jesus says, I am, 
in the Greek, that's a very definite article, and it's a very intense way of referring to one, oneself. And really, it's more comparable with him saying, I myself, only I am. Can you parents kind of hear yourself saying something like that to your kids? I myself, only I, am the authority in your life. You're going to do what I tell you to do, kid. You know what I'm saying? But I don't think Jesus was saying it with that kind of anger way. Jesus is trying to get a point. He says, I myself, only I am. So what's the next question? You am what? Right? I know that's good English, right? What are you? He goes to the next place. He says, I myself and only I am the way. Jesus used the definite article to distinguish himself as the only way. A way is a path or a route. And the disciples had expressed their confusion about where he was going or how they could follow and he told them from the beginning, Jesus was again telling them and telling us, follow me. There is no other path to heaven, no other way to the Father, but through Jesus. Peter reiterated the same truth years later when he was speaking to the rulers in Jerusalem and he said about Jesus, and he said, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. The exclusive nature of the only path to salvation is expressed when Jesus said, I myself and only I am the way. Very important words for us, amen? Very important truth for us to hold on to. And then he says, I myself. And only I am the truth. Again, Jesus used a definite article to emphasize himself as the only truth. Follow me in this for a moment. Psalms chapter 119, 142 says, Your law is the truth. Your law is the truth. And on the sermon on the, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus reminded his listeners of several points of the law, and then he would say, But I say unto you. And what he was doing was equating himself with the law of God as the authoritative standard of righteousness. In fact, Jesus said when he, that he came to fulfill the law and the prophets. Jesus, as the incarnate word of God, is the source of truth. He's our source of truth. And then Jesus said, I myself and only I am the life. He'd been telling his disciples about his impending death, and now he was claiming to be the source of all life. In John chapter 10, verses 17 through 18, Jesus declared that he was going to lay down his life for his sheep and then take it back up again. He spoke of his authority over life and death as being granted to him by the Father. He gave the promise that because I live, you also will live. The deliverance he was about to provide was not a political or social deliverance, but a true deliverance from a life of bondage to sin and death and of a life of freedom and eternity. Now let me say this. If you're a Christian, if you're a child of God, you're a believer in Jesus Christ, 
I hope and I pray that you absolutely believe without a doubt that Jesus Christ is the only way and the only life. I hope and pray that you believe that there is no other way to be saved, to be forgiven, to be born again, to have a right relationship with God, to have an eternal hope of life with God for all of eternity in heaven, than through the blood that Jesus Christ shed on Calvary's hill and through his resurrection from the grave. And there is no other way to heaven, no other name under heaven by which we may be saved than Jesus Christ. Amen? No other way. I can't give you enough good thoughts to get you saved. I'm thankful for people's good thoughts. I don't, dis, I don't discount that, but those aren't going to get you saved. There is no other way, and there's no other eternal life than through Jesus Christ. And I think most of us in the church house believe this. But my fear is in the world we live today, that there's a lot of questioning about whether or not Jesus is the only source of truth. Whether or not the Word of God is the only source of truth. There's a lot of questioning in the church. Can we really, can we really believe what we read in the Word of God? Can we really believe the words of Jesus about truth? Can we really hold on to that? I want to tell you today, Jesus was just as clear about being the truth as he was about being the way to heaven. And if you're going to be saved, if you're going to be born again, we need to understand that he is also, just as much as he is the only way to find forgiveness and a way to God, he is the only truth. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, the Holy Spirit, to help, you be, to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Truth is not open to interpretation, but it is absolute. And the source that we compare all truths to is Jesus Christ the Son of the living God, because he was given that authority from God to be the source of our truth. Amen? So we're going to put on the belt of truth, man. It comes with our salvation and our belief in Jesus Christ, and we put on the belt of truth, and he is our truth, the source that we hold on to. Amen? I'm giving you three truths about the belt of truth. The first one is that there is only one belt of truth, and the second is don't wait until you're in the battle to put on the belt of truth. Don't wait until you're in the battle to put on the belt of truth. Now, no military in the world waits until a battle begins to issue out their equipment to their soldiers. And no good soldier waits until the battle begins to get their equipment ready. Does that make sense? Now, when I was a young airman, and, and you, you, your soldiers in the room probably won't believe this, but we actually got issued combat gear too. Yeah. We got a web belt and all that stuff so we could, you know, hang our coffee cup and our cell phone in there and that kind of stuff, you know. But I remember going to base supply when I first got in as a young airman, and they issued me out my helmet and my web belt and the, the harness that went over my shoulders and my my magazine pouches and my 
all my chem gear and all that stuff. And I got back to my duty section and I wanted to get all my stuff ready. And I, I didn't know anything about what I was really doing and they, they weren't really giving me a lot of instruction. And, and I pulled out that web belt and, and it was used. Somebody else had had it before me. You know, you don't often get new gear in the military. Um, and, but my, the, the, the part that went over the shoulder that, that connected to it, the, the suspender part of it, was brand new. It was still in the package. I pulled it all out of there, and I hooked it up to the belt, and then I put my magazine pouches on there, and I put my, my gas mask on there, and I put my canteen back there, because I had to have some place to carry my coffee, you know. I put all that on there, and I picked up that rig, and I slung it on, and it was brand new. The, the suspenders were, and the belt was hanging about right here. My, kid, my, my mask was right here underneath of my armpit. And when I, at that point in my life, I was a skinny guy. I was six foot one, 163 pounds. And that web belt had been used by somebody else who was much bigger than me. It looked like a hula hoop hanging out here around me, you know. And I'm like, I got to get this adjusted. I got to fix this. So I did the only logical thing I could do. I just threw that in the locker and figured I'd wait till I really needed it, right? No, I didn't do that. I didn't tuck it away. But it was then I realized that after you put all that stuff on there, you can't adjust the belt. So I had to take everything off. I had to get it all adjusted, get the belt adjusted first, get my, the suspenders adjusted to the right height, put all my gear back on there, and I got it to where it fit like a glove. So when, the next, when we had our first exercise, man, and I pulled my gear out and put it on, I knew I was going to be out there building bombs. I was going to have to move. I was going to have to do a lot of things. And, man, it fit like a glove, and I was able to function and do everything that I was supposed to do because I took the time to get used to my gear to put that belt on and get it adjusted right and to become skilled with the gear that I had. You see where I'm going with this? Listen to me, church. Don't wait till you're in a spiritual or a physical battle to get to know and to be able to handle God's truth. Don't wait till the time of the battle to decide to finally pick up your Bible and begin reading it, begin trying to understand what God is saying. I believe God has already issued us the equipment we need. He's given us his revelation in true form in the word of God that we might read it, that we might know who God is, that we might know what the source of truth is, that we might be able to follow the source of truth. He's already given it to us. But I'm afraid sometimes Christians look at that and they feel overwhelmed with that and they throw it in their locker and figure, I'll get it out when it's time, when I, when I absolutely need it. I want to tell you this morning, don't wait until the time of the battle, but get your equipment ready now. Get to know the Word of God. Know it in your heart. Know it in your soul. Know it down deep inside so that when the time of the battle comes, you've got something <clears throat> to stand with and to carry you through that you've got the belt of truth. Amen? Second Timothy, Paul writing to a young preacher, he says, do this, and this isn't just for preachers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved a worker who does not need to be ashamed, who correctly handles the word of truth. Do your best. He doesn't say just do a little bit. He says do your best. I think we need to take that to heart, amen? I love the words of Deuteronomy. He says, fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. 
Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates so that your days and the days of your children may be many in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors, as many as the days that, days that the heavens are above the earth. If you carefully observe all these commands I am giving you to follow, to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, and to hold fast to him, then the Lord will drive out these nations before you, and you will dispossess nations larger and stronger than you. Do you get that last part? Then the Lord. This is a spiritual battle. If we, will, if we will get into the Word of God, not just on Sundays, not just on Wednesdays, not just occasionally, but if the Word of God is our source of truth and we've strapped on the belt of truth and we're using that on a regular basis, we're carrying it, we're speaking to our children, we're speaking to our wives and our husbands, we're speaking to those in our lives about it, man, then the Lord has something to work with in us. And He We'll take care of our enemies, amen? So we need to strap that on. You know, many years ago, I was uh, doing a, a funeral for somebody who had died in our church. And we got to the point in the funeral where we opened up the floor for people to, uh, to speak about the, the one that died and to, to share a memory or something. And this lady got up in the church. Never forget this moment. She got up and she was so spiritual. And she said, I think at times like this, we all need to remember what the Bible says, to live, to love, and to laugh. And I'm standing up on the pulpit, and I'm going, that's not in the Bible. <laughs> what is she talking about? <laughs> and I'm, 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 I'm sitting there trying not to, I don't want to say anything. I don't want to embarrass her. I don't want to, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there trying to just, Keep my mind focused. I've still got a sermon, uh, a funeral sermon to preach, and I'm trying to keep my mind focused. And where's my spiritual, Holy Spirit-filled wife? She's down on the front row looking at me snickering. She was a lot of help. <laughs> I'm going, that's not in the Bible. And I think about so many things that people quote that they think are in the Bible, and it just shows that we are not really equipped with the Word of God. We don't really know what the truth is. There are a lot of things that people quote on a regular basis as being from the Bible. How about this one? God helps those who help themselves. You know how unbiblical that is? The Bible says, well, we were yet sinners, meaning, well, we were unable to help ourselves, Christ died for us. Now, I'm not, I'm not discouraging you from taking care of things that need to be taken care of, but I'm telling you, that's not in the Bible. It does not say God helps those who help themselves. You teenagers are going to love this because the next time your parents tell you this, you can say, that's not in the Bible. Cleanliness is next to godliness. It ain't in there. Nope. Money is the root of all evil. It's not in there either. 1 Corinthians actually, or not 1 Corinthians, it, but the Bible actually says, it says the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil, but it doesn't say money is the root of all evil. We've taken that out of context. Or the one I hate to hear the most, 
because people use this at the most inappropriate time and have discouraged so many other Christians, God will not give you more than you can handle. That is not in the Word of God. It does say, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But he's talking about temptation there. And I can't tell you how many times I have seen somebody going through a terrible time when they've lost a loved one, even to the point of someone who is about to bury one of their children, and somebody walks in and says, God won't give you more than you can handle. I'm like, stop that. Don't say things like that. If I was them right now, I would hate God. Because that's not what the Scripture says. He promises to be with us through times of trouble. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. He told us that. We need to be workmen who know how to handle the Word of God. We need to be skilled workmen with the word of truth so that when we are in the battle or others around us are in the trenches, we can use the word of God and not just some saying that we heard might have been in the Bible. We don't need to quote from the book of they say, amen? We don't need people quoting from the book of they say, but we need to know the word of God. When you're afraid, you need to know that God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. When you feel like no one is on your side and that you're standing out there all alone and you're not going to be able to make it, you need to know that I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. When you're sick, you need to know that it's by his stripes we are healed, man. When you feel like you don't have the strength to go on, you need to know that Philippians says that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When you feel like you've just got to get up and handle something and you don't have the strength, you need to know that the writer that Isaiah said to us that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up as wings as like with wings like angels. Wings like eagles. Boy, I can't even say it. We need to know the word of God so that we can we need to have that belt of truth strapped on and know when the time comes and not wait until that time comes to strap that belt on. Amen. It's the belt of truth of God's word that will cause us to win the battle. Giving you three truths about the belt of truth, and the third one is the belt of truth sets you free. The belt of truth sets you free. Now, if you've ever read Romans chapter 1, Paul paints a very bleak picture of humankind. Very disturbing picture. I want to read through some of that, starting in verse 18. It says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Hmm. Since What may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. He's talking about the general revelation of God, meaning we can see God in creation. How many of you can see God in your children? Some days you said, right? (laughs) We can see that in creation. We can see the the power of God in creation. He says, having been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. 
For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, listen to this, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lust. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, their men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. They become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these things, but also approve of those who practice them. Man, if the book of Romans stopped right there, it'd be hopeless. Because I see that picture and I see the world in which we live very clear. I see the picture that he paints and I see, holy cow, look at this. The, these, all the things, they, they invent ways of doing evil. Man, we are good at that today. And they approve of people, instead of coming back to God, they approve of people that do these evil things. I see so much of this in our society. And the worst part of that is that those that do it deserve death. The Bible is very clear. The wages of sin is death. Very clear. But Paul didn't write Romans just to tell mankind how bad he is. But Paul, it said that they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. Paul wrote the book of Romans that they might know the truth of who God is. Paul wrote the book of Romans that they might understand exactly who God is. He didn't write it just to show that everyone is condemned. He wrote to proclaim the gospel of God. Well, the wages of sin is most certainly death. The free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul gives us this wonderful news that God loved us so much that while we were dead in our sin, Christ died for us. All who believe in him are reconciled to God and are saved. When we embrace the truth, rather than exchanging the truth for a lie, we have freedom 
and new life in Christ Jesus. Amen? Wow. Because if you just read the first part of Romans chapter 1, you can be like, man, mankind is doomed. There is no hope whatsoever. But Paul went on to tell us that what we were dead in our sins, that the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And if we will put on the truth of God and exchange the, the falsehoods of this world for the truth of God, you will have true freedom in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Would the band come up and begin to play softly? I want to say this to you here. I don't know who all is sitting here, but I need to say this to you and make this very clear this morning, man. The reason that Jesus came was so that we might know the truth and we might know that we are condemned. But not to leave us right at that point, but to go to that cross and to die on that cross and to be raised in life three days later and seated at the right hand of the Father today, having made the sacrifice that you and I could have forgiveness for our sins and be reconciled in a relationship with God. Greatest gift that anyone has ever given mankind is the gift that God gave us through His Son, Jesus Christ. But a gift is not not your gift until you receive that gift. If I say I've got a gift here at my house for you, and you don't come to my house and get that gift, that gift is not yours. I don't know about you, but if you call me and say, i got a gift at, your house, at my house for you, Mark, I'm going to be knocking on your door just a few minutes later. I want to know. I like gifts. Gifts are good. Amen? I'm going to be knocking on your door. But you have to come to that place where you acknowledge. I remember the day I came to that place in my life. I realized I was a sinner. I realized I had done things wrong. And I realized that my sins deserved death. And that someone had shared with me that I could have forgiveness of sins and I could have new life if I would confess my sin to Jesus and ask him to forgive me of my sins and come into my life and be my Lord and Savior greatest gift I ever received was the gift of salvation, the gift of forgiveness, the gift of a relationship with God. And that gift is still available to you today. And if you've never received that in just a few moments, I'm going to give you an opportunity to receive that gift from God. I want to give you an opportunity to pray and receive that gift. But there's another freedom that comes with that. The Bible says that when we've come to Christ that we are no longer slaves to sin and that we are new creations in Christ Jesus. You know what I love about that new creation? I was fixing something at home the other day, this little thing on back of one of our screens and the sun had got to it and it was plastic and I put it together with some super glue. And when I put it together with some super glue, I had to be very careful when I was putting it back on the screen to just barely
barely tighten it down enough because it was still broken. It was just barely holding on by a thread. It wasn't new. I looked for new ones, man. I, I've called several places, couldn't find new ones. So I had to, had to put this one back together. And I'm hoping it holds on through the summer at least, you know. That's not what God does with you and I. When we come to Jesus Christ, he doesn't put us back together with a little bit of super glue or a little bit of duct tape, or my other favorite tool for fixing things, you know. He doesn't do that. The Bible says he makes us a new creation. When you do things wrong, people label you. You lie, they call you a liar. You steal, they call you a thief. I'm here to tell you today because I feel like, as I was studying, I feel like God spoke to me very clearly. There's some of you that you've asked God to forgive you and to come into your life, but you feel like all those old labels, all the broken parts of you are still hanging on to you. You feel like you're still broken. You don't feel like you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. And I'm here today to tell you that, man, there is a freedom that comes when you put on the belt of truth, knowing that you are a new creation in Christ Jesus, and you are no longer broken. You are no longer that person who everybody else saw you as, but you are now that you've, come, you've asked God to forgive you and come into your life and be your Lord and Savior. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. He has made you brand new. The old is gone and the new has come, and you don't have to live in the garbage that you lived in before, and you don't have to live under the condemnation. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This isn't in my notes, so this is free. I'm going to end with this. For years and years after I got saved, I used to give my testimony, and I used to say, you know, I gave my life to Jesus at a revival in Brinkham Baptist Church in Puerto Rico at six years old, and then I fell away from God till I was 20 years old, and, and, and then I gave my life back to God at 20 years old, and I've lived for him ever since. But, man, I have a lot of regrets because I could have been so much more if I had lived for him all those years. It used to be my testimony. One night I was sitting in our house, base housing in, in Turkey, and I was just praying. I was struggling with some things. And God said, you know, I don't hold that time against you. I forgave you for that. Why do you constantly hold on to that yourself? I've never told my testimony the same way since. God made me a new creation. God forgave me. And God has redeemed my life. And God is in the business of redeeming lives. And you may have something in your past that you're embarrassed or that you're ashamed of. But I want to tell you, when you come to Christ Jesus and ask him to forgive you, God is in the business of redeeming that. It wasn't God's plan that I went down the path that I went. But you know what? Since then, I've been a youth pastor in many churches. And I've used 
the, the things that I learned in that time to help kids not go down that path. That's the redemption of God. I've used what, what, what I learned in that time not to go back to live under condemnation, but I've used the lessons I've learned to be able to help others not go down that path. It's the redemption of God. And somebody here needs to know that God is in the redeeming business and he will redeem your life. And God has forgiven you and he does not hold that against you and you are not that person anymore. Oh, somebody needs to hear that this morning. Would you stand with me this morning? I told you a minute ago that I want to give you a chance to pray and receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you're here this morning, you've never prayed that prayer. You've You've come to that realization. Maybe somebody's been sharing with you for a while. Maybe this is the first time you've heard it. But you want to pray and you want to ask God to forgive you. You know you've done things wrong. And you know you need forgiveness. But you want that forgiveness and that right relationship with God. And you want to be on your way to heaven with him. There's no magic in this prayer. It's just you saying a prayer and being honest with God and God will forgive you. And I just want to ask you, if that's you today, would you pray this prayer with me as I pray? Would you just repeat after me? Dear God, I know that I've sinned. I know that I've done things wrong. And I know I need forgiveness. I know like in all things, there's a penalty for my sin. And the penalty is death. But I also know that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me of my sins, to come into my life, to be my Lord and my Savior, and I will live all the days of my life in a relationship with you. Amen. I want to tell you, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, God has forgiven you right now. The Bible says that the angels in heaven are rejoicing because you prayed that prayer. They're having a party up there. That's pretty cool to think about. But I want to encourage you if you prayed that prayer and this is the first time today, make sure today, even before you leave this place, grab somebody and tell them. Let them know, man, I just received Jesus as my Savior. I just received, I just asked him to forgive me. And I'm starting this new life with Jesus. In just a moment, the band's going to play a song as we think about what God has said. But I, I, I want to pray one other thing this morning. I really do believe, and as I was preparing, that God spoke to me and said, there's people here, maybe some online, that you prayed and asked Jesus to come into your life, but you're still carrying the baggage and the weight and the condemnation of what, ha what you did before you came to Christ. And God is wanting you in that third step that we talked about today to put on the belt of truth that there is freedom, that you are no longer under condemnation, that you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. And if that's you today, I just want to pray a prayer over you, and I just want to ask you to receive from God today what he has for you. Heavenly Father God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus. There are some here today 
I believe there's more than one. I believe there are several here today that are still walking around with the condemnation of their past. They did things in the past that they still feel the weight and the condemnation of, but yet they've come to you for forgiveness and you have made them a new creation in Christ. I God, I pray in the name of Jesus. I pray, God, today for a deliverance. God, that they no longer see themselves as damaged goods, that they no longer see themselves as unrepairable, that they no longer tell their story that I did this or that and, and I still hold on to that. God, I pray that today they would be able to walk out of here and they would walk out with the testimony that I came to Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. He forgave me of my sins. He wrote my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. And he made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. I no longer carry the guilt. I no longer carry the shame. I no longer carry the burdens. I am no longer a slave to sin. But I am able to walk as a child of God, a new creation in Christ Jesus. I have the freedom of my salvation to be the man or woman or child that God has called me to be. I walk in this newness of life. I don't walk as one who's just had a Band-Aid applied to me. But I walk in one who has new life in Jesus. I pray this in Jesus' name. Receive it in Jesus. Amen.